Well, hello again. God bless you. Welcome again to a love outreach. Another week has gone by since uh, we had our last session together, and it's good to be back here with you all again, those that are joining us live, and then those that will watch the recording or hear the recording of this as well. Um, I hope that you're doing well, and most of all, I hope that it is well with your soul. Um, tonight, what I thought we'd go ahead and do is uh, take a look at a psalm. So if you're in a position where you can do so, go ahead and grab your Bible and open it up to Psalm 39. You will find the psalms around the middle of your Bible. And I'll also um, take you to take a look at some scriptures in Hebrews as well. So if you want to, if you're if you are following along in your Bible, you can prepare for that as well. We're going to be looking at Psalm 39 and then uh, Hebrews chapter 12, I believe. I'll, I'll be taking you to. What I'm going to do um, before I talk about each verse within Psalm chapter 39 here is I'm just going to go ahead, since it's only 13 verses, is I'm going to go ahead and read through the whole chapter, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it a little bit more in detail. So let's go ahead and start reading in verse 1. Like I said, I'm just going to go ahead and read through the first 13 verses of Psalm 39. It says, To the chief musician, to Jedithon, a Psalm of David. I said I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hand's breath, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor, Selah. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. And now... Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. Remove your plague from me. I am consumed by the blow of your hand. When with rebukes you correct a man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is vapor, Selah. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner as all my fathers were. Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and am no more. But let's go back and talk about these 13 verses here. And like I said, I'm going to jump out of here and take you over to the book of Hebrews as well as we go through. But uh, David there, who wrote this psalm, it's a psalm of David, who was king of Israel, 
But he said, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. In verse 1, I will strain my mouth with a muzzle, restrain my mouth with a muzzle, excuse me, while the wicked are before me. So we see David in this psalm is offering up a prayer to the Lord. And we can deduce from this chapter that David was indeed going through an extremely difficult time in his life. Hopefully, you're not there today, and I, I hope you never are in that type of position in life. But we all know that as we do go through life, there are many what we could call hills and valleys, right? As we travel this path of life. And we see in this writing here that David, the psalmist, recognizes something of great importance regarding his present circumstances. He realizes that he's actually reaping from what he has sown. Because if you just jump down in verse 8 there, he, he gives us insight to that fact when he says, deliver me from all my transgressions. Now, if you were with us last week on Wednesday night, you'll remember how we talked about the fact that all have sinned. All have fallen short, right? And the reality, but the reality of sin, though, is that you do reap the unwanted reward of the consequences that your choices in life bring, right? You're, you're maybe you're those choices where you miss the mark. Right? And that's what sin is all about, and I'll mention that a little bit later. But again, like we talked about last week, thanks be to God that he offers forgiveness, right? and, and, and that's through Jesus Christ. But even though God offers forgiveness, there are still repercussions from the poor choices that we make, the bad decisions that we make, right? And sometimes as we walk by faith in the Lord, He brings about times in our lives of chastening and what we could call discipline in our lives, right? And this doesn't seem pleasant to us, but nonetheless, we know from the Scriptures that it is the way of the Lord, and it is the way of the Lord because He is a loving Father. Now go ahead and Mark this page if you are following along in your Bible. Mark this page and, and turn toward the back of your Bible and, and find the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hello, Gwen and Pam and Jay. Good to see you all you guys here again tonight. Thank you for being here. Yep. I did say hi to Matthew. I saw him there. Oh, that's Matthew? Yeah, Maddie Ice. Aunt Penny didn't know who you were. So, over in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, I'll read from there. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily, notice that, right? We can be easily ensnared by sin. And it says, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. This is how we run the race. This is what, 
someone that is a Christian, a believer in Jesus, how you run the race, you're looking unto Jesus, you're keeping your eyes on him. It says, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, there's so much to learn just from uh, those two verses of Hebrews chapter 12. First of all, there we see there in, in verse 1, the great cloud of witnesses. That's talking about all the other people of faith in Jesus that have gone on before us, and they walked by faith in the Lord. And you can go back, if you want, and read chapter 11 of Hebrews, where you can read about some of the people that the writer of Hebrews here is talking about. But we also see in verse 1 that we are to make the choice to lay aside the sin that so easily and ensnares us. Now, sin, for being such a, a small word, it carries such a large connotation in our world today, does it not? But let me simplify the word sin for you here, right? It simply means to miss the mark, right? Now, we could talk about the word sin and expound a great deal more on it than just that, but in the simplest understanding of the word sin, it means that you, you just fell short. You're missing the mark. And again, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's common, right? In other words, it's not uncommon for, you know, there's not, no one out there that doesn't deal with it, that doesn't deal with the problem of missing the mark in some way, shape, or form. Like they say, right? Poe buddy's nerfic, right? <laughs> Nobody's perfect, right? Poe buddy's nerfic. But the problem with sin is that it can be and will be a snare in your life if you don't deal with it. And it can pre prevent you from knowing the abundant life that the Lord wants you to have and walking in fellowship with Him. So what we want to do is combat that sin, that missing the mark in our lives. Not just accept it, but we combat it. How? By looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In verse 1, we see too, again, that the, the race that we are to run as people of faith in Jesus is a race that requires endurance. It requires diligent effort to be put forth on our part. So coming to faith in Jesus is not a walk in the park. It's something that we have to give attention to. We have to be diligent about. That, that whole thing where it says laying aside, that's something we have to do, right? We, we consciously say, you know, I'm not going in that direction anymore. This is that missing the mark. I, I keep repetitively doing this over and over and over, and it's causing me to fall short. And it's causing me to not walk in the will of God. But we see in verse 2 that Jesus finished his course, right, by being crucified for our sin. 
And as we look unto him, he helps us as we go through this course of life. We decide, right, that we're just going to let go and we're going to trust in and we are going to rely upon him. He rose from the dead, like it tells us here, and he's now seated at the right hand of the throne of God where we are told in other script in another scripture that he makes intercession for us. In other words, he's looking out for us. He's looking out for our best interests. He wants all things to work together for good. Now, that don't mean everything's good. It don't mean it's all good all the time. Sometimes things happen like we're reading about with David, King David back in the Psalm, right, 39, where he's going through something difficult and he's crying out to God. But because God is a loving Father and he sees as we don't see and he's looking at your heart and he knows what's best for you, we really can't compare him to, to any earthly father, right? Because our earthly fathers are just people that sin and fall short as well. All of us, right? But, but we see a heavenly father that, that looks at our heart and he sees what needs to be corrected, what needs to be, you know, fine-tuned or whatever it may be and he's working on our hearts so at times he chastens us like we see happening with david in the psalm and verse two tells us right so um did i read verse two yeah looking unto jesus the author and the finish of our faith but verse three um consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. So in other words, think about what Jesus went through. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. So he's talking to people of faith here. Again, so what's that tell you? He's telling people of faith, Christians, followers of Jesus, that, that we can become discouraged, that we can become weary in our souls. But what are we to do? What's the answer? We turn our eyes upon Jesus. We look at him, right? And he says in verse 4, You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. I see my granddaughter, Kayla, Carly Davy, says hi, Pop-Pop, while they're eating their dinner. <laughs> A YouTube comment there. So, again, verse 4, you have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Jesus did, though, right? But again, sin is something that we're to fight against. Don't just accept it. Don't just keep walking in the muck and the mire that this life gives you. Seek the Lord. Turn your eyes upon Him, right? But going back now to Psalm 39, and you can go ahead and flip back there now. Arizona tea. <laughs> Psalm 39, picking it up in, in verse 5, right? He says, David says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons, 
My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For you know what? I'm, I, I thought I was reading in the wrong place. Where am I reading? Am I still in Hebrews? I'm sorry. Let me, I put it in my notes here. What I do sometimes is just paste it into my notes. So I got off track there and I thought for a second, wait a minute, where am I reading? <laughs> Let's see. I know some of you out there, you can tell me, right? Some of you out there and yelling, hey, you're here. I'm, I'm still in Hebrews, actually. I didn't want you to go back to, um, I didn't want you to go back to Psalm 39, like I said. Sorry about that. I wanted you to stay here. So anyway, we're on track. I'm just back again in Hebrews chapter 12. And you have forgotten, uh, Pam says I was about to. She was probably about to tell me where I should be. What's that? Verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. So here's, here's what I took you to Hebrews for anyway, right? And I just jumped out of here too quick. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. You see, this is what the psalmist David was going through. That's why I was thinking back at David there in 39, right? That's what he was going through. As a result of him just giving in to sin and accepting it in his life, he had to go through a time of chastening that a loving father is going to do in your life. Again, a father that sees our hearts that you know knows about us what we don't even know and is working in ways in our lives that we don't often understand this is why the proverb tells us to trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding it says it says in all your ways acknowledge him and, and he'll direct your paths he'll make your path straight but we have to be willing to yield to what he's doing and sometimes that's hard. If you endure chastening, verse 7 says, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So the scripture's just making it very clear to us here the fact that chastening by a loving father is a necessary and a good thing. And even as earthly fathers, we shouldn't just let our children keep going astray, going in the wrong direction. We may see them going in the wrong way. We shouldn't allow that. We should step in and guide them and direct them because we love them, right? That's what a loving heavenly father does for sure in our lives who sees us in ways that no one else does and like i said even ourselves don't even know the depths of our heart as god does 
right? Furthermore, look at look, talking about an earthly father, verse uh, 9, furthermore, we, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, that is speaking of God, he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. So do you see that there? It says at the end of verse 9, he's the father of spirits. In other words, like you keep hearing me say, he's looking at you internally. And he's going to mold and he's going to shape us to be the men and the women that he desires for us to be if we will yield our lives to him. That we may be, like it says, they're partakers of His holiness, right? And we are only complete in Jesus, which is where our strength is. He, he's the one we have to look unto, like we read earlier, right? And we are to be in subjection to Him. The word subjection, that uh, subjection there that you see in verse 9 means to be subordinate to, to put yourself under the authority of and to obey, right? This is where the Lord is calling us to be as a living soul, walking in His ways, lining our lives up with His will. And again, no one says that this chastening is fun, right? Look at verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, right, when you're going through it, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So do you see what we're dealing with here when we talk about running a race, we talk about staying the course, we talk about being trained, we talk about discipline? This is a process where the Lord is doing something within us. He's working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. And that's what He's doing in our hearts. He wants the absolute best for us. But we can choose to stay in our way, the way that misses the mark, the way that falls short, or we can yield our lives to Him, right? But He wants this peaceable fruit of righteousness to be in us, right? He wants us trained in that way as we sojourn through this life. So now, for real, let's go back to Psalm 39. Before everybody starts to yell at me, I know y'all were yelling at me out there. What are you reading if you're following along? <laughs> Psalm 39. We'll continue to look at what David was, was learning and, and what he was growing in. Verse 2. I was mute with silence, he said. I held my peace even from good. And my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. So David seemed to be saying here that with all that was going on within him, again, as he admits, you'll see in verse 8, right? I think I read that right. 
It was the result of his own transgression, his own sin. But with all he was going through, he did all he could do to keep silent. But while he was musing, that is while he was reflecting on thinking deeply on all that was going on in his life, it was burning within him to the point where he had to speak. And he had to call, what did he do? He called out to the Lord. He had to call out to the Lord. And in first, and in verse 4, David says, Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am? So David wants a different perspective on life. Let me know how frail I am. He says, let me understand the temporality you know, of this life. You know, in the New Testament book of James, chapter 4, and, and you can read this later, uh, verse 14, it asks this question. It says, for what is your life? That's the question. What is your life? And then it gives this answer. It says, it is even a vapor, which David will say as well, right? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and, and then vanishes away. And in verse 5, David says, Indeed, you have made my days as hands as a hand's breath, right? Like, in other words, just a, a short time. And my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at his best is but vapor. At his best. And then he says, Selah. Now, that word Selah right there, it's like a break in the music, right? Or a pause. But as we read the psalm right here, it also gives us the opportunity. And what's kind of being said here is, is just think about this. Think about what's being said. Ponder this. Reflect on this yourself. Do you realize how quickly life goes by? Right? A hand breath. It's not a long period of time. And like David said, his age is nothing, right? I might, maybe I'll make it to 90, Lord willing, or I might die tonight. We don't know, right? But it's important that we have the right perspective because then we can understand our reliance upon God. God has a plan. He has something as the father of spirits, right? He has something that he's doing in you and in me. And are we paying attention to it? Or are we allowing ourselves to be too consumed with this short span of life that we have, this vapor where it just consumes us? David says in verse 6, Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. The point being made here is that we can't, again, we can't let the things of this life control us to the point where we miss out on what really matters. Knowing our Creator and being in His will. And again, David's just trying, he seems to be praying like for a perspective adjustment here. 
And then in verse 7, he reaches a conclusion, and he says, And now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. He reaches that conclusion. My hope is in you, Lord. Deliver me from all of my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. So he's acknowledging this, right? This chastening in his life. Remove your plague from me. I am consumed by the blow of your hand. When with rebukes you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth Surely every man is vapor, he says it again. And then he says, Selah. Think about it. Take some time to think about this. His conclusion was his hope is in the Lord. Right? It's like he understands now. He understands what this affliction was about in his life. And he understood that it was something that the Lord was allowing in his life. Because again, he is the father of spirits. He's looking within us. And he wants to prepare us for what he has for us. And when David says in verse 11 that the Lord makes a man's beauty melt away like a moth, he means that when we really focus on the greatness and the awesome power of God, and we, we consider how small we are and this vapor of life that we have, we realize that we're like nothing, right? It's like if you smash a, a moth and it's just dust. God's not trying to crush us, though, in a way that is destructive. But again, as a loving Father who chastens us, He will allow us to be humble, to be broken, broken in a manner where He will reconstruct us and He will make us be that vessel that He wants us to be. And the good news is, is that we can read the Word of God like this and be forewarned. That's why we do. That's why we do this. That's why we pay attention to the Word of God, and we can allow our, ourselves to let the Word of God break us and bring us to a place where, hey, man, we're hearing that. Yeah, I should focus my attention on the Lord. Kevin says, "What is Selah?" And Selah again is a word that simply. In a, in a musical term, with with the, the with the psalms were, it's like a break in the music, but it's also a word that can get can take on the meaning of just take a minute and like think about this, ponder it, think about it deeply, you know. Um, so yeah, that's what the word selah means there. But David continues his prayer in in verse twelve, and he says, "Hear my prayer, O Lord." And give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears. So, so you can see here, we can see by reading this, the level of despair that David is under here. And he's communicating this in this prayer, in this prayerful song. And it's written down for us to, to think on it, right? And, and take it in ourselves, right? 
But we see the word cry there, and we see the word tears there. This is a difficult time in David's life. He was broken. And you know, David also wrote in Psalm um, 51, 17, he said that, um, that God will not despise a broken and a contrite heart. So again, God's not trying to crush us and trying to destroy us. Instead, he's trying to build us and to shape us and to form us into this good plan, this good life that he has for us. But at this time in his life for David, it was a bumpy road. And he continues in verse 12. He says, For I am a stranger with you, a sojourner, as all my fathers were. In other words, David is saying, God, I've separated myself from this world. I've given my, my hope is in you, he said. I'm a stranger here. I'm just passing through. I'm a sojourner. I'm just traveling through this life. And he recognizes and he realizes the awesome power of God. And he recognizes and he realizes that it's God he needs to cry out to in his time of despair. And in verse 13, he says, Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength before I go away and am no more. So David saying, Before the end of my life, let me get some strength back here, God. But he's feeling that heavy hand as a result of his transgression. Remember, He's feeling that chastening of, a, of God the Father upon his life. And remember, why is God chasing us? Because he loves us. But today, we can know the mercy of God. Today, we can call out to him in times of trouble. He's an ever-present help in time of need, the scripture tells us. And yes, there are bad seasons in life. Sometimes it seems like a long winter, things that you go through. But God, again, He sees our heart, and He wants to do a work within us that brings us to a place of completeness, wholeness, right? And we are complete in Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us that. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus, it says, and we are complete in Him. And that's why we have to, as we read in Hebrews, look unto Jesus. So you're going to go through times in life, and maybe you are right now. I, I don't know everybody that's going to come upon this video or this audio, but maybe you're going to go through time in life, or maybe you are now, right, where you're feeling like David was feeling. You're crying out. To God and you're wondering how long but we just have to trust we have to walk by faith we have to know that he is a loving father and again there's the choice of not trusting in him at all and just being the captain of your own ship and charting your own course in life but where is that going to end up for you but what we do today is we run the race, endurance, perseverance. We're trained. We're going through training. We're, you know, and sometimes training requires 
a heaviness upon us that we got to push off of us and fight through, right? And not all the time when we go through things is it the result of like we're reading about with David, the result of sin or transgression. We live in a fallen world. So things are going to happen, you know, in this life. This is just, we're reading today about David's circumstances, right? But sometimes our hard times is just God allowing us to be made stronger. And sometimes as the loving Father that He is, He's going to chasten us. But in it all and, and through it all, He's given us the answer. He's given us hope. He's given us Jesus. And I would just encourage you, even if you're going through a good time right now in life, and all is well with you, keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Seek Him. Keep knocking. Keep going. But isn't it wonderful how the Word of God shows us the good, the bad, and the ugly? It doesn't hold anything back. We see what David was going through, and we see how intense it was in his life. He was in pain. But he knew who to turn to. And he knew who to put his trust in. And he came to that conclusion where he says, my hope is in you, Lord. And if you will seek, if you will press on in the faith, you'll find that God is not against you. He's for you. And he's working something good in your life if you'll commit your way to him. I will stop here for tonight. And uh, we've been gone about 40 minutes. Thank you, all of you that are watching. I see uh, many more watching than have commented, but it's good to have all of you here. But um, God bless you, and I will go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this day of life. God, thank you for this time together in your word, Lord, and uh, I pray that your will would be done in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, and in the hearts and in the minds of everybody that is listening tonight, Lord, or will come upon this, Lord. May they look unto you, Lord, as the author and the finisher of their faith, Lord. May they turn their eyes upon Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other name given under heaven whereby we can be saved, Lord. So I pray your will be done, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless everybody. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, whichever the case may be. And Lord willing, we'll be back again next week. Have a good night. Bye-bye.